Yeah, so I'm starting a new rumor. Rumor has it Leah is getting dunked after the third service. Well, happy fall kickoff. I, I, I love that this series is called Welcome Home because I think literally of the word welcome. It means, man, it's good you came. I thought a lot about that this week, actually, because you, you might not believe what I believe, but I want you to know that it, it wouldn't have been the same without you. You might not think the same way that I think, but I wanted you to know that it's an honor that you're here. Your background might be different than my background, but can I tell you something that I know about you and me? We got way more stuff in common than stuff that is different in us. In, in other words, we got way more stuff that should unite us than should ever tear us apart. It's good you're here. So I want to tell you on September 8th of 2019, welcome home. That's the vision that we've always had for this place, that it would be like a home away from home. A place of hope, a place of healing, a place of belonging, and, and, and maybe even a place of becoming everything that we were created to be. Welcome home. And it's September, so it's back to school time, and I thought I would give away a little prize. Uh, I wanted to go get backpacks. The younger staff members would not let me shop for the backpacks, they said, and I quote, you'll get something nerdy. So they got the back, this Herschel backpack, but I got to fill it. And so in here is back to school essentials, right? Cinnamon Toast Crunch, strawberry Pop-Tarts, and Wonder Bars, okay? So, that's good, right? That's good, okay, so um, gonna give it away to someone going back to middle school or high school or university. Okay, makes sense? And uh, there's no scientific way I'm gonna choose this, just the first one who kind of catches my eye who can tell me, and, and as soon as I finish saying my question, you can just go right ahead, okay? The first one who can tell me the name of the series that starts today. There you go, man. There you go. They're so polite. We're not polite here. They're raising their hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. Uh, where was I? Where even was I? Hey, so it's interesting in this series, we're, we're lost, right? Like you guys are still laughing about the Wonder Bars thing. Um, they're good though, really good. It's weird, we're starting a new series, but we're still kind of on the same story. We, we've been talking about this story of this guy who lived 3,100 years ago, and one of the reasons that we're talking about him, and, and his name is Samuel, by the way, is because he has so much in common with you. You know, because the truth about Samuel is that not too many people know too much about Samuel. And you might be a pretty well-known person, but historically speaking, not too many people know too much about you. And yet Samuel was extraordinary. In, in other words, he, he wasn't ordinary, he wasn't normal, he wasn't average, he wasn't status quo, and the same thing is true about you. Nothing average about you. You started out as a dream in the mind of God. You're extraordinary. God had a plan for Samuel, he has a plan for you. God had a purpose for Samuel, he has a purpose for you. And so in this last series that we did called Kingmaker, we kind of talked about the background of Samuel's life, like the foundation to which he was born into, his mom and his dad. And if you want to go back, you can check that out on the uh, Southside Church podcast or on southsidelife.com. But today I want to start with this Welcome Home series, talking about Samuel's life. Okay, so Samuel's dad name was, dad's name was Elkanah, his mom's name was Hannah. And, and, and the story happens that they went to a, a place called Shiloh, a town called Shiloh, which was the religious capital of Israel at this time, 3,100 years ago. They went there for like a spiritual retreat. 
And while Hannah was there, uh, Hannah went to the temple in Shiloh and she was praying. And she was praying specifically that God would allow her to have kids. Up until this, until this point of her life, she was not able to have children, which in that culture at that time was a really big deal. And so she, she was praying there with a lot of passion and a lot of faith. And I want to talk just quickly before I jump right into the story for today. I want to talk about faith. Because I think sometimes we can read through the Bible and we can discount faith. It, what, what I mean by that is we read through 1 Samuel chapter 1 and we see, man, Hannah was praying that God would give her a child. And we say, oh, Hannah, it's all good. He does. We read forward. You have a son named Samuel. You're fine. She didn't know that. So she was praying with faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. That's heavy. So when you read the Bible and you see a story like Hannah praying at the temple in Shiloh, please understand the faith that she had. Or when you read a story like the story of David and Goliath. Man, David David was some 16, 17-year-old punk. And he was going to battle against this seasoned warrior named Goliath. David did not know he was going to win, but he believed he was going to win. That's faith. It's a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Or you read the story of the Exodus, you know, and and Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery and bondage into freedom, and they get to the Red Sea, and they're in a big problem because the Red Sea's in front of them, there's Egyptian chariots behind them, and they don't know what's going to happen. And Moses didn't know that when he raised his staff that the Red Sea was going to part, but he believed it would. That's faith. That's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Or you read the story of Pentecost. You read about this disciple named Peter. You know, and, and, and Peter was a good guy, but he, but he made a lot of mistakes. And, and on Pentecost, there's this large crowd gathered. Jesus has already ascended into heaven. The crowd gathers, and Peter decides that he's going to stand up and preach. He doesn't know what the response of the people is going to be. He doesn't know whether they're going to turn on him and say, shut up. But he believes that God's going to do something. And 3,000 people became Christians because he had faith. And so Hannah's there in Shiloh and she's praying with faith and God answers her prayer. She has a son named Samuel. And I love the name Samuel. I'm a little biased because I have a son named Samuel. But but Samuel is a name of gratitude. Samuel means God, you heard me. You heard me. Man, I I love that. So let's pick up a story for Samuel 1. Hannah stayed home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And then she took him up to Shiloh, bringing also the makings of a generous, sacrificial meal. Prize bowl, flour, and wine. The child was so young to be sent off. They first butchered the bowl, then brought the child to Eli. Hannah said, excuse me, sir, will you believe that I'm the very woman who is standing before you at this very spot praying to God? I prayed for this child, and God gave me what I asked for. And now I have dedicated him to God. He's dedicated to God for life. Then and there they worshiped God. And 1 Samuel chapter 2 starts with Hannah singing a song of worship, a song of gratitude. She says this, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. I, I talked to you a little bit last week if you were here, and if you weren't, that's fine, but I, but, but I talked about the fact that in 1 Samuel chapter 1, there's this theme of worship, and it definitely continues into 1 Samuel chapter 2 when Hannah sings that song of worship, and, and the thing that we got to realize about worship is worship requires faith. We already talked about faith, but it also requires gratitude. 
it also requires gratitude, which kind of blows my mind a little bit because I gotta tell you from the context that I live in, from the place where I'm standing right now, it seems somewhat hard to believe that these people, that Hannah and Elkanah were grateful people. Can we talk about what they had materially? Relatively speaking, compared to what I had, what I have, they had nothing. And yet they were grateful, it's amazing. You know, and, and, and Hannah is worshiping, and Hannah is grateful before she even conceives Samuel. And when he's born, she gives him this name, God heard me grateful. And what blows me away here is they, 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 they take Samuel when he's, scholars say he would have been about four or five years old, and they bring him to Shiloh to the temple to dedicate him to God's service for life. In other words, he's going to stay there That's a hard thing. Like Hannah knows that she's only gonna see him from that point on, she's gonna see him once a year. She would go and she would bring him a little set of clothes every year, but, she's, but, but, but Samuel is not living under her roof anymore, and I think to myself, as I walked away from dropping my four or five-year-old son off at the temple in Shiloh, the first thought in my mind would not be gratitude. And she was grateful. Man, and it got me thinking about you. And it got me thinking about me. And I think, man, if I, if I could give you one lens that would change the way that you go back to school this year, if I could give you one perspective that would change the way that you could go back to work this year, if I could give you one inclination, one posture that would change the way that you handle opportunities and challenges and obstacles in your life, starting September 8th, 2019, I would give you the lens called gratitude. Gratitude. And I say that with a lot of trepidation because here's the absolute truth. When I'm tired and when I am discouraged, I am amazed at my almost unlimited capacity to be ungrateful. And, and the truth is, I think I come by it honestly because I live uh, amongst the people who are quite ungrateful. I was reading on the interweb the other day. They had uh, excerpts from actual registration cards at North American national parks. Okay, so some of the most beautiful places on the planet. Okay, so these are, actually, these are comments that were written on actual registration cards in national parks. Okay, let me read them for you. The, trail, the trails need to be wider so people can walk side by side while holding hands. Thank you. Uh, the, the trails need to be paved so that they can be snow plowed in the winter. The this is deep. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Simple, one little thing, okay? Uh, Chairlifts need to be in some places along the trail so that we can get to wonderful views without having to hike to them. <laughs> this next one's a good one. Escalators should be installed at areas that are steep. <laughs> I do a lot more hiking, okay? Uh, when the trail ends, a restaurant would be nice. <laughs> the coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake please remove these annoying animals. 
a small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. <laughs> okay, I struggle with it. I don't think deer have opposable thumbs, do they? And so I'm just like, Okay, so it's just, it's just okay. Um, a, a, a deer stole my, pi- my, my jar of pickles. Uh, is there a way that I can get reimbursed? Please call me, and they gave their number. Uh, there's too many bugs and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to get rid of these pests. What's an ecosystem? Okay, uh, so then the, and the, I, I kept researching because I kind of got on a roll here. So then I found this. These are extras of emails sent to travel agents. Okay, you ready? We booked an excursion to a water park, but no one told us we had to bring our swimsuits and towels. <laughs> the beach was too sandy, obviously. <sighs> On my holiday to Goa in India, I was disgusted to find that almost every restaurant served curry. I don't like spicy food at all. It's lazy of the local shopkeepers to close in the afternoon. I often needed to buy things during their siesta time. This should be banned. Again, thank you so much. (laughs) We found the sand was not like the sand in the brochure. Your brochure shows the sand is yellow, but it was actually white. (laughs) No one told us there would be fish in the sea. The children were startled. This next one's really legitimate, actually. It took us nine hours to fly home from Jamaica to England. It only took the Americans three hours to get home. (laughs) I compared the size of our one-bedroom apartment to our friend's three-bedroom apartment, and ours was significantly smaller. Last one, I was bitten by a mosquito. No one told me they could bite. I'm so sorry. So very sorry. I'm absolutely amazed at my almost unlimited capacity to be ungrateful. But I come by it honestly. I I live amongst a people, a a culture, a world that's pretty ungrateful. I was reading a quote the other day by a lady named Anne Menar, and, and she said this, ungrateful people forget what they are not grateful for. That's a big deal. That's one of the most profound things you've heard in a long time. Ungrateful people forget what they are not grateful for. Let me put it this way. Uh, you, know the, you know the guy, I'm assuming it might have been a guy, it might not have been. You, you know the person who was just so annoyed that the, 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 the sand in the brochure was yellow and the sand was actually white? Here's a simple question. Do you think they were happy? Or how about the guy whose flakes were so frosted about siesta time? You know, these people living in like 45 degree heat, they want to take a rest in the afternoon. It's so annoying. I think he was full of joy. So let me ask you a question. Are you happy? Are, are you full of joy? Are, are, are you a person of contagious joy? Are you a person of, uh, of influence? Because if your answer to the question, uh, are you happy, is not really, I have a follow-up question, are you grateful? See, here's the problem with ingratitude. Ungrateful people forget what they are not grateful for. 
See, what happens is un- unhappiness is actually a contagious disease. And it's caused by a chronic deficiency of gratitude. Are you happy? Are you full of joy? Are you a person of great influence? If the answer is not really, the follow-up question for me would be, are you grateful? If I could give you one inclination, one lens to look at the world through as you head into back to school, back to work, back to challenge, back to obstacles, back to opportunity, I would probably give you gratitude. The Apostle Paul wrote this in a letter to the church in Thessalonica. First Thessalonians 5, he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That's interesting he didn't say give thanks for all circumstances, right? Because sometimes your circumstances suck. But, you some, but, but, but we can give thanks in all circumstances because there's always something to be thankful for. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This 19th century preacher named Charles Spurgeon, he, he said something like this. Uh, if, if joy and prayer get married, their firstborn child is gratitude. We should be grateful. It'll change your life. I'm a grandpa now, became a grandpa two months ago. I've only mentioned that 100 or 150 times in the last two months. So I'm into Winnie the Pooh now. Obviously, I should have always, been, I should have never stopped. He's amazing, okay? So here, here, here's the Winnie the Pooh thing for you. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. So I'm gonna give you three simple steps to get a heart of gratitude, to get a lens of gratitude. Here's the first one. Be grateful to God. Be grateful to God. A few weeks ago, I talked about the importance, in my opinion, the importance of spending some time every day in silence and solitude. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes. Some time every day in silence and solitude, away from the chaos, away from the noise, away from the stress, away from the people who are trying to grind you down, away from the people that you're tempted to live your life to please, and just by yourself. And when I talked about the importance of silence and solitude, I I gave you something called the prayer of examine, which is kind of a conversation guide that you can uh, take with you to, to talk to God during your silence and solitude. And ever since I I gave you that, I've been doing it every day, this prayer of examine every day myself. And the first step of the prayer of examine is this. Take a look at your last 24 hours and list everything that you can be grateful for. It's actually amazing how long that will take. And if if you weren't here or if you never got a copy of the prayer of examine, we'd love to send you one. You can just text the keyword silent to 604-670-3040. Grateful to God. You see the storm last night? That's a light show. Grateful for that. Grateful for the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky. Grateful for um, the rain and the snow and the wind and the warmth. Grateful for trees and the forest. Grateful for waves and the ocean. Grateful for the mountains 
and the rivers and the streams and the lakes. Grateful for the clothes we wear and the food we eat. A couple days ago, it was lunchtime, and I was making myself a peanut butter and jam sandwich. And I thought to myself, I am so grateful for peanut butter and jam. It's, I'm, I never get bored of it. I've been doing this stuff for decades. I'm still not bored of peanut butter and jam. Grateful. Grateful for the house that you live in, for the pillow that you lie your head on every night. And I want to tell you, you might not believe like I believe. Maybe you walked into church for the first time and you're still kind of checking this whole God thing out. Man, I'm so pumped you're here. Can I tell you something? You don't even have to thank God for all that stuff, stuff and your life will get better. You don't even have to be grateful to God for all that stuff. Be grateful to Mother Nature. Be grateful to time plus matter plus chance if you want to. Your life will get better if you are grateful for those things. For me as a Christian, I'm grateful to God for that. And it goes beyond that for me. I'm grateful for redemption. I'm grateful that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history and he lived and he died and he rose again. And that means to me today, right now, that my past can be resolved. In other words, my sins are forgiven. I get a clean slate and a new beginning. My hurts are being healed. I have strength for today to take one next step at a time. I have hope for tomorrow and the promise of eternity. I'm grateful for that, you know? I'm grateful that even though my body is gonna wear out one day, that I'm never gonna wear out. That God has a forever plan for me. That when I die, it's not a termination, but it's a transition into forever. You know, some people talk and they say, man, when I die, I'm gonna go to heaven. I think the Bible teaches something just a little bit different. I think, I, I, I think God's going to uh, give us a new earth and a new heavens. We're gonna spend forever there. A few weeks ago, I was driving up to Kelowna. Um, and the, and the Okanagan connector was closed between Merritt and West Bank, so I had to take a turnoff, the Aspen Grove turnoff, and I was so annoyed. Just like, oh, it's gonna take longer, I had some place I needed to be, and I'm driving along, and all of a sudden I start looking around, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is really, really beautiful. And then I pull up, like I'm driving along, and, and, and there's a lake be, be, beside the road, I think it was Allison Lake, but I'm not sure, and I look up, and there's a mountain as high as I can see, and the mountain descends down, and there's a cliff for about the last 100, 200 feet, bang, right down into the lake. And I'm like, this is probably like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And I thought to myself, I should stop. But I didn't. I had an appointment to keep. I thought to myself, man, I, I should bring Corinne back here just to show it to her. And, and I hope to. In a, in a couple of weeks, I, I hope to. And maybe we will. But I remember driving away kind of feeling sad and thinking, man, like how many places are there in the world just like this? That I just want to stop and I just want to be and I just want to, you know what I mean? Soak in the beauty. And God spoke to my heart and this is what he said. You're going to have a chance. You're going to have forever. See, God's going to create a new earth, a new Allison Lake, <laughs> a new Cultus Lake, a new Mount Chiam, a new Grand Canyon. Like recognizable but infinitely more, not stained by brokenness, not stained by sin. And he's gonna create a new heavens, ever expanding, infinitely creative, and I don't know exactly how it's gonna work, but you and me, we're gonna, we're gonna be able to explore there too. Grateful to God. I'm grateful for prayer, that the God who spoke the universe into existence speaks with me, wants to hear what I have to say, wants to be known by me, when, when, when Paul wrote a letter to the Philippian church, he said this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanks 
giving. Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind. The problem with ingratitude is ungrateful people, you know what happens? They forget what they're not grateful for. So we change that, number one, we're grateful to God. Number two, we're grateful for other people. I was reading a story the other day. Um, it says, in an intriguing book called 365 Thank Yous, John Kralik writes about writing a thank you note a day for an entire year. He didn't resolve to write all those thank you notes at a time when he was feeling particularly grateful. In fact, it was at a particularly low time in his life. His small law firm was losing money and losing its lease. He was going through a difficult divorce. He lived in a small, stuffy apartment where he, was, he often slept on the floor under an ancient air conditioner. He was middle-aged, overweight, and at the end of his rope. Then one day, he got lost on a mountain, and he didn't know how to get home. By the time he found his way down the mountain, he had a plan. He would write a thank you note each day for a year. He said the only problem did I even have anything to be grateful for? The way my life was going, I hardly thought so. But he got started by writing notes to the people close to him, his family and friends. Then it got harder. One day he writes, I just couldn't think of anybody to thank. He stopped at his regular Starbucks where the barista greeted him by name. John, your usual venti? Tyler coached me on how to say venti. I said it right, because I'm culturally relevant. Okay. This is how I roll. And uh, join your usual venti, and with a big smile, Kralik re reflected, I thought this is really kind of a great gift in this day and age of impersonal relationship that someone had cared enough to learn my name and what I drank in the morning. So he wrote the barista a thank you note. And so it went throughout the year, each day a thank you note, each day a day of gratitude. Are you grateful for your friends? You should tell them. Are you grateful for your family? You should tell them. Are, are you grateful for the person who makes you coffee? You should tell them. And there's this poem that I heard years and years and years and years ago, and when I think about my friends and I think about my family, I probably quote it to myself like, um, I don't know, once a week. It's from a book called The Jungle Book. It says this. Now this is the law of the jungle, as old and as true as the sky. And the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, but the wolf that shall break it must die. As the creeper that girdles the tree trunk, the law runneth forward and back. For the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. Man, I'm thankful. It shocks me how I have this almost unlimited ability to be ungrateful. Are you thankful for your pack? Maybe for some of you right now, you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I don't have a pack. I feel isolated. I feel alone. If that's you, I, I, I got a couple suggestions for you. Number one, if you choose to live your life grateful, I bet you'll find around you developing a pack. It's weird because this church, this mission called Southside, this home away from home that we're trying to build for this city, um, it's driven by gratitude, right? Look at 
took like 300 people to make church happen today. The setup team, the takedown team, the tech team, the music team, the welcome team, the, the parking lot team, the hospitality team, the Southside kids team, like hundreds of people. Well, why do they do it? There's a lot of reasons, but if I had to boil it down to one heart inclination, I would probably say gratitude. This heart of gratitude to God for everything that he's done for me, and this heart of gratitude to others for the help that they've given me, and out of, the, out of, out of my gratitude, I just wanna help other people. <laughs> I would say this, if, if you're here at Southside for the first time, you should actually sign up to serve. I challenge you, not in a like, I challenge you loser to start serving. I, don't, I, 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 I challenge you because I think you're gonna get more than you give. I think you're gonna find that. And all of a sudden you're gonna look around at these people that are serving alongside of you, just kinda out of this heart of gratitude that says, man, I'm, I'm thankful for being helped and now I wanna give help. You're gonna look around and you know what you're gonna find? A pack. Ungrateful people, the only problem is they forget what they are not grateful for. So we're grateful to God, we're grateful for others, and here's the toughest one for you, I think. Maybe the toughest one for you. Grateful for you. Because you're hard on you. You're way too hard on you. Did I tell you I was a grandpa? I told you that, right? A Winnie the Pooh thing? Okay, so I got another Winnie the Pooh for you. Here it is. Promise me you'll always remember that you're... No, I know, I'm just getting choked up. I'm getting old, you know what I mean? Braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Are you grateful for you? Are you, are you grateful for the gifts that God gave you? Are you grateful for the talents, for the ability? Are you grateful for your quirky sense of humor? You say, well, that would be arrogant, Mike. No, they would actually be grateful. You're mean to you. Because you're not grateful enough for your talents and your abilities and your strengths. A few months ago, Kurt and I were sitting around and we were discussing a, a quote by Soren Kierkegaard, because we're smart like that, you know? We just sit around talking about Kierkegaard. We're just brilliant people. <laughs> Often we also discuss SpongeBob SquarePants memes, so it's, it, it, it kind of, there's a give and take to it, okay? Uh, so but there's, this, there's this quote by Kierkegaard where he says, and now with God's help, I'm becoming myself. And Corinne looked at me and she said, you know what I think? I think in this season of our life, we gotta change that just a little bit for us. And, and we changed it to this, with God's help, I'm befriending myself. You're too mean to you. You would never talk to a good friend like you talk to yourself. So I said, be thankful for your gifts and your abilities and your talents, but you don't thank yourself near enough. Isn't it amazing how you have, a, you have a proclivity to just focus on the negative? There's people in here today, you have one negative aspect that you think is a negative aspect of your, of your physical appearance and you fixate on that. You would never do that to a friend. 
See, we got something inside of us, for many of us, it's called an inner critic. And it, and it drives you. It tells you it's not enough, you gotta do more, you're not sufficient, you're not making the grade, it's not gonna cut it. And I know for, for some people in here today, you, you would think to yourself, well, you know what? <clears throat> My inner critic has helped me get where I am today. And here's the crazy thing, you are absolutely right. That voice inside of you that's telling you, you gotta do more, you gotta do more, harder, better, more, higher, that, that voice, that has helped you to get where you are. But I'm telling you, I believe that God, maybe more than anything else today, has sent me up here to tell you this. That voice, that inner critic, it might have helped to get you where you are today, but it will not help you get to where you need to go. You gotta change the narrative. You gotta change the narrative, you gotta befriend yourself. That voice, the way you speak to yourself, you gotta speak like you would speak to a good friend. With truth, yes, tell the truth. Don't be deluded. And with warmth. So let me give you an example. Uh, let's, let's say you have an awkward conversation with somebody. I, I have a similar pattern to many, many awkward conversations I've had in my life. You want me to tell you about it? Okay, great, your enthusiasm is palpable. Okay, so here it is. I walk up to somebody and I say this, uh, hey, man, how are you? And they say, man, I'm doing awesome, how are you? And I say, good, you? Oh, no, I just asked them twice how they're doing. Has anyone else ever done that? Okay, okay, all of you, basically, okay? And then you're just like, I can't believe it. I, like, asked them twice how they're doing. I'm such an idiot. And you walk away from this awkward conversation like, Oh my goodness, like I'm the biggest failure in the world. I'm such a loser. I can't believe I said that. That person is never gonna like me. They're never gonna talk to me again. You would never talk to a friend like that. So what would you do? You, would, you, you should speak to yourself with truth and warmth, okay? So imagine you witnessed a friend having that conversation. You would look at them and you would tell them the truth. <laughs> you know what? It was pretty awkward. <laughs> That was a pretty, you asked him three times how he's doing, you know? Uh, that's the truth, right? And here's the warmth. And it's gonna be okay. Because <laughs> I know a little bit about people, and that person that you just had that awkward conversation, they're walking away thinking that it was your fault. And at least you cared. So, here, here, so here's the truth. Next time, I don't know, just ask once. It'll be fine. You're too mean to you. You talk to yourself like you would never talk to a good friend. So let's say you, let's say you fail at something. Maybe it's an academic failure or a relational failure or a professional failure or even a moral failure. How do you deal with that? See, I think there's people in here today that when you fail at anything, you've got this inner voice. Listen, you've got this inner voice that convinces you that that failure was not an event. It is now your identity. So you didn't just have a failure, you are a failure. You didn't just lose, you are a loser. And you allow failure to define you. You would never talk to a friend like that. What would you, t how, what would you say to a friend? Well, you would be truthful, but you would be warm. So here's the truth, you, you would say, uh, <laughs> you failed. Like, 
passing is 50%, you got 37. Can't really, but, and, yet, you're down, but here's what I know about you, you're not out. That failure doesn't define you. It ain't over, are you kidding me? This comeback is gonna be incredible. That's what you would say to a friend. So start talking that way to you. Here's a problem with ingratitude. Ungrateful people forget what they are not grateful for. So let's be grateful to God, grateful for others, and yes, grateful for you. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for the incredible privilege to, uh, to just do fall kickoff with, with all these amazing people. Thank you that there's not an accident in the room right now that every single person was designed by you, thought up by you, and is loved by you. God, we're thankful. We're thankful for every breath we take, for every, for every step, for every opportunity. For We're thankful for people. We're thankful for friends and family. And God, I want to pray for every person here that, that you would allow them to start speaking to themselves as they should. Not with arrogance, but with immense gratitude. We love you, God. In your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome one. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you at any of our three Sunday services held at Sardis Secondary School on Stevenson Road in Chilliwack, British Columbia. For more information, please visit southsidelife.com.